This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Welcome to Earthwise, environment and peace with justice interviews on Plains FM 96.9. Welcome to Earthwise, I'm Martin Griffiths. Today's guest is Marjorie Cohn, Professor Emerita at Thomas Jefferson School of Law, former president of the National Lawyers Guild. We interviewed Marjorie Cohn recently about the shocking and illegal by international law mass deportation of Haitian refugees. She's very kindly agreed to discuss with us today another story that urgently needs to be exposed and discussed widely. Welcome again to Earthwise, Marjorie Cohn. Thank you for having me, Martin and Lois. Well, Marjorie, we're told that the 20-year war in Afghanistan is over now, but how do we really know about what the West did in Afghanistan, and for that matter, other countries that the West sees as enemies? What would we really know if it weren't for whistleblowers? Our listeners are aware of and worried about Edward Snowden and Julian Assange, but who is Daniel Hale? Daniel Hale was... um he, his job was identifying targets for drone strikes, and in 2015, he provided Jeremy Scahill, a journalist, with secret military documents and slides that exposed shocking details about the U.S. drone program, and Daniel Hale's revelations became the basis for the drone papers, which were published on October 15, 2015, by The Intercept. And Daniel Hale was rewarded with a prosecution under the Espionage Act for his courageous behavior, and he is now serving 45 months in prison in a uh, high-security facility. Now, he was based in Afghanistan, wasn't he, at Bagram? Yes, he was. And he was enlisted in the Air Force, I read, 2009, and then assigned to the NSA, National Security Agency. Is, is the NSA part of the military? I've not put well, that very they work well. hand-in-glove with, with the military, just trying to imagine this. So he's given, assigned a name of somebody that the U.S. has decided to kill in a drone strike, and his job is to locate that person. Yes, and uh, some of the revelations in these drone papers that we learned from Daniel Hale's revelations um, is that there was during the Obama administration what is known as the kill chain, um, which the Obama administration used to determine whom to target. And on Terror Tuesdays, Obama and his top officials would decide who would be targeted that week. Um, and, of course, countless civilians were killed using what is called signals intelligence in undeclared war zones. Um, so, for example, targeting decisions were made by following cell phones that may or may not be carried by the suspected terrorist. Maybe uh, he loaned it to his brother or his mother. Um, and the drone papers divulged that half of the intelligence used to identify potential targets in Yemen and Somalia were based on 
signals intelligence. Um, another revelation, thanks to Daniel Hale, um, that uh, was in the drone papers, was during one five-month period, nearly 90% of those people killed by drones strikes were not the intended target, uh, but civilian bystanders are classified as enemies killed in action unless proven otherwise. Um, and Daniel Hale said, uh, call missile fired at a target in a group of people um, a leap of faith. Uh, it's a phenomenal gamble. Anyone caught in the vicinity is guilty by associations. You can imagine all of the civilians who have been killed by these drone strikes. And I, I guess it eventually just got to him that he was actually taking part in killing civilians. Yes. Um, he was, uh, it, it was really, uh, I, I actually was on a panel with him um, at the Drone Summit several years back in Washington, D.C., and he told stories about how he was tracking people, you know, a group of men sitting around a campfire drinking tea and then eventually killing them, and it turns out that they weren't terrorists at all, um, and it really did get to him. It must make you wonder, what is terrorism? Who are the terrorists? Well, this was seven years ago, and yet the program continued. Well, it did continue, um, and uh, it's estimated that that U.S. military and CIA drone strikes have killed between 9,000 and 17,000 people since 2004, including 2,200 children and many mm. U.S. citizens. But those numbers are probably low. It's uh, it's staggering to think this is going on. It, it um. Is there any objection within the? Is this get, Is this story getting into the media? Well, on October 29th, as Joe Biden pulled U.S. forces out of Afghanistan, um, his administration launched a Hellfire missile from an MQ-9 Reaper drone in Kabul that killed ten civilians, including seven children, and then lied about it. They called it a righteous strike conducted in self-defense. Uh, but nearly three weeks later, an, an extensive investigation by the New York Times revealed that the target of the drone strike, Zamari Ahmadi, was a U.S. aid worker, not an ISIS operative, and the so-called explosives in the Toyota um, that the drone targeted were most likely water bottles. Well, now an independent, quote, independent Pentagon review, unquote, um, has concluded that no crimes were committed by U.S. forces even though video footage showed a child present minutes before the drone attack, and the inspector general of the Air Force admitted that nine seconds before the strike, four children were visible in the video frame. Um, under international law, targeted killing is only legal if it's necessary to protect life, and no other means, including capture or non-lethal incapacitation, is available to protect life. And this drone strike that killed these 10 members of this family um, got a lot of publicity, it, even in the corporate media. Um, but, of course, uh, the Biden administration, like his predecessors, um, have been trying to minimize it, uh, rationalize it, and, uh, and in essence, cover it up. 
It's almost just become the norm, hasn't it? This was a very fine end to the 20 years in Afghanistan to finish just this way, the way it had gone on. Well, it isn't really the end because Trump and his administration have said they're going to continue um, over-the-horizon strikes, even though they won't have troops on the ground. They're going to be using drones from other countries to target, um, you know, many countries. And uh, the, the, uh, and, and there is already um, U.S. forces fighting in at least six different countries, including Iraq, Yemen, Syria, Libya, Somalia, and Niger. And, of course, uh, Biden promised to continue bombing Afghanistan from afar. Now, um, it's, it's tricky because, uh, you know, they're supposed to have the consent since they're not, you know, involved in hostilities anymore in Afghanistan, the consent of the Afghan government. Well, the Afghan government is the Taliban, and even though the Taliban is no fan of ISIS, the Taliban did not give permission uh, to the Biden administration to launch that Hellfire missile and kill those 10 people. Um, but, you know, that never stopped uh, the, the administration before. Um, Bush authorized about 50 drone strikes that killed 296 alleged terrorists and 195 civilians in Pakistan, Yemen, and Somalia. And Obama vastly increased the number of people killed by drones. Obama presided over 10 times more drone strikes than his predecessor during his two terms in office. Obama carried out 563 strikes, largely with drones, in Pakistan, Yemen, and Somalia, killing between 384 and 807 civilians. And then uh, during his first two years in office, Trump launched 2,243 drone strikes (laughs) compared to 1,878 in Obama's eight years in office. Now, Biden um, is, uh, you know, starting out with a bang, uh, no pun intended. Um, He conducted a drone strike against uh, so-called Shabaab militants in Somalia in July. Um, The White House had rejected some requests by the U.S. military's Africa Command to conduct drone strikes against Shabaab targets in Somalia because they don't meet um, the new rules. And I could talk about the different uh, targeting rules, Obama's rules, Trump's rules, and now Biden's rules. Um, But White House approval was considered unnecessary because the Africa Command has authority to carry out strikes in support of allied forces under what the military calls collective self-defense. Now, that is a far cry from lawful collective self-defense under the U.N. Charter. Um, These strikes are illegal. Um, They violate the U.N. Charter, and they also violate uh, the rules against targeted killing unless there is no other way to protect life. Now, let's get back to Daniel Hale. He's convicted under Espionage Act. What does espionage mean, then? I thought espionage meant turning some information over to the enemy. Well, the Espionage Act of um, 1917 was really passed uh, to target spies. And yet Obama um, prosecuted more whistleblowers under the Espionage Act, I think eight, more than all of his predecessors combined. Um, Now, Julian Assange... um, is not a whistleblower. He's a publisher and a journalist. And in 2010 and 2011, WikiLeaks published evidence of U.S. war crimes in Iraq, Afghanistan, uh, and Guantanamo Bay, and some secret 
State Department cables that Chelsea Manning had provided to WikiLeaks. And the Obama administration convened a secret grand jury and considered indicting Julian Assange under the Espionage Act, but decided not to because of the New York Times problem. And that is that WikiLeaks did the same thing with the New York Times, the Washington Post, Der Spiegel, Le Monde did, um, publishing classified information, which is what national security investigative journalists do. They publish secret uh, government information all the time, and that's how we know what our government is doing in our name. But when Trump came into office, um, he did indict Julian Assange uh, under the Espionage Act, and Julian Assange is in prison in London now. He's facing 175 years in prison if he is extradited to the United States for trial. Um, And the Trump administration, uh, well, first of all, the, the judge in the U.K. denied extradition, denied the Trump request for extradition, because Julian Assange is in such frail mental health from his years in confinement um, that uh, he, the expert testimony showed at the hearing that he would be at great risk of suicide. Well, the Trump administration filed an appeal of that denial of extradition as it left office, and instead of dismissing the appeal and dismissing the indictment against Assange, which is what Obama would have done, Biden is continuing that appeal and pursuing that appeal. Um, They just had an appeals hearing uh, a week or two ago, and uh, we're waiting for the decision of the high court in Britain, and then it could be appealed to the Supreme Court of Britain, and then eventually to the European Court of Human Rights. Um, But uh, this is the Julian Assange case is a very monumental case, because if he is prosecuted and convicted, that's going to have a chilling effect on investigative journalists. It's really going to impact freedom of the press and the public's right to know, because people are not going to be publishing things that they should be publishing to let the American people know what our government is doing for fear that they'll be indicted under the Espionage Act. I even wonder if we have freedom of the press now, because our our local paper has never written anything about the Julian Assange case or or anything else to the issues that concern us terribly. We actually met his well, we went to the meeting where his father was speaking at a small gathering in Melbourne a few years ago. Just one more thing about Daniel Hale, though. Uh, I read the, the statement that he made when he was in the dock. He said, I am here because I stole something that was never mine to take, precious human life. I couldn't keep living in a world in which people pretend that things weren't happening that were. Please, Your Honor, forgive me for taking papers instead of human lives. It's quite moving, isn't it? Has he been put in solitary confinement? I don't know, although he's in a high-security prison, so he very well may be, and that is going to really wreak havoc. He has a very frail emotional, um, uh, you know, he's very frail emotionally. He has a very strong support system, um, you know, people who have been helping him go through this, and, uh, and now that he is put in this place where terrorists are housed, 
um, he, his uh, contact with his support system is is being cut off, and that's going to be it's going to be very hard on him. You know, another thing that Daniel Hale told the sentencing judge um, is that he is a descendant of Nathan Hale, uh, who was executed by the British for spying during the Revolutionary War. And uh, as uh, Hale quoted his famous ancestor during his sentencing hearing by saying, I have this one life to give in service of my country, which is what uh, Nathan Hale said. Um, So he's really, Daniel Hale really acted on principle. He acted out of a moral sense that um, what the U.S. military and the CIA were doing was wrong. It was killing innocent people. He was participating in it. And uh, I think he should be hailed as a hero the same way that Daniel Daniel Ellsberg was um, for revealing the Pentagon Papers, which helped end the Vietnam War. Based, you know, they they showed the lies the U.S. government was was perpetrating about the Vietnam War, and Julian Assange, who was incredibly courageous in publishing evidence of U.S. war crimes. Um, it, really, pretty astounding stuff uh, that we don't hear about. Whenever we hear about Julian Assange, we never hear about what he is actually uh, what what he was being indicted for, and that's revealing evidence of U.S. war crimes. The same same way that Daniel Hale did. I really fear the sort of world we're creating. It's the whole, it's, it's advanced technology targeting someone who has a particular cell phone. We did a program recently with I don't know, you know the Australian Benoit Campmark about the Pegasus spyware and how that works. It's all so chilling. This thing about the Espionage Act, I mean, and Julian Assange, he's not even an American citizen, so how could he be treasonous to a country he doesn't even belong to? Well, that's a really good point. Um, the the uh, U.S. government maintains that since this was done online, and it uh, certainly had impact in the United States, that he is... Uh, eligible to be tried under the under the Espionage Act. Now, there is an exception in the Espionage Act uh, saying, well, it's actually, I'm sorry, in the Extradition Act, and this is the Extradition Act of 2003, the U.K. Extradition Act, that says that a person cannot be extradited from the U.K. to another country for political offenses. And uh, Revealing evidence of U.S. war crimes is certainly a classic political offense, but the judge who denied extradition in the U.K., extradition to, of Julian Assange to the United States for trial under this indictment, um, didn't, uh, did, did not find any, did not have any quarrel with most of the arguments that the Trump administration was making. You know, in the First Amendment issues, uh, she said, well, don't worry, because uh, if he is tried in the States, they'll protect his First Amendment rights, they'll protect his Fifth Amendment rights, fair trial rights, etc. Um, she focused on uh, he, you know, the, the very strong risk of suicide. Um, but the evidence that came out at the three-week extradition hearing uh, was very clear, I thought, that uh, what Julian Assange is being indicted for is a political offense, and he should not be extradited from the U.K. to the U.S., and meanwhile, he's still in prison, and you don't know for how long. It's a, it he's must been in affect prison his mental in health. Marsh Prison in London for two years, and before that, he spent seven years under a grant of asylum in the Ecuadorian embassy in London. Um, he, Sweden had a trumped-up investigation of him for 
um, alleged sexual assault, and later the two women said that they had lied, and uh, and Sweden never did file any charges, but they were trying to extradite him to Sweden, and the fear was that Sweden would then send him to the United States. So Ecuador gave him refuge in the Ecuadorian embassy, but while he was there, uh, legally, under a grant of um, you know, of, of uh, asylum, um, he had some very serious health problems, and the UK uh, authorities wouldn't allow him to leave the embassy to go to the hospital without arresting him. So um, that led to even worse health issues. And um, Niels Melser, the former UN Special Rapporteur on Torture, said that uh, Julian Assange was suffering from prolonged psychological torture um, from his years in confinement. And also what's come out recently is that um, the CIA was, uh, under Mike Pompeo during the Trump administration, was uh, making plans and plots to either kidnap or assassinate Julian Assange, you know, pull him out of the embassy from in London uh, while he was still there, and they were, they were uh, conducting electronic surveillance and spying on him um, and uh, spying on confidential communications between uh, Julian Assange and his attorney. Um, but he was really in danger there. And the reason that he left the embassy was because a pro-U.S. government came into power in Ecuador and uh, to facilitate the U.S. extradition of Assange worked with the U.K. police to drag Julian Assange out of the embassy and uh, jail him on this charge of violating bail conditions. Now, he does have a right to apply for asylum, and uh, that was the, you know, the uh, gist of these, this bail condition violation. But they sentenced him to about a year to keep him there so that the Trump administration could uh, file for extradition. So they were working hand-in-glove, the U.K. and the U.S., to try to get Julian Assange um, extradited to the U.S. for trial. And me- meanwhile, Daniel Hale, um, he's in jail now. When, when is he due for release? Do you know? I have no idea. I know that just recently he has been transferred against assurances that were made. He has been transferred to this high-security prison where um, his exposure to the outside world is severely limited, and uh, <clears throat> it's for terrorists, basically. Um, and uh, that was that also figured into the extradition hearing for Julian Assange because there was a lot of testimony by experts and by psychiatrists for the defense um, who said that if Julian Assange were extradited to the United States, he would be held in a high-security prison in Florence, Colorado, and be subjected to what are called special administrative measures, which is basically keeping him in virtual isolation. And so now, at the appellate stage, which is late in the game, uh, the U.S.'s Biden administration is saying, oh, well, we're not going to send him to that prison in Colorado, and we're not going to subject him to those special administrative measures unless he does something else. And, of course, who decides uh, what that something else is that justifies those measures in that prison? The CIA, the same CIA that, that was plotting to kill and to, to kidnap and assassinate him. Um, So it's not clear whether the uh, high court judges on appeal are going to buy those so-called assurances from the U.S. that aren't really assurances at all. And another assurance the U.S. made was that if Julian Assange is extradited to the U.S., tried and convicted and sentenced, he can serve his sentence in Australia. Of course, Australia hasn't consented to that yet. But um, 
and 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 the U.S. did that before, assured that another uh, prisoner could, if he was extradited, would uh, serve his sentence. Um, in Spain, and they reneged on their on their promise and made him serve his sentence in the U.S. Uh, you know, doing some fancy footwork, saying, "Well, that was just the prosecutor who agreed to that. The Department of Justice didn't sign off on it." So, you know, the, the U.S. government can't be trusted to keep its word on these things, and uh, we're seeing that with Daniel Hale being put in, uh, you know, uh, high security custody and subjected to. Uh, measures that are very much like special administrative measures, virtual isolation. Sounds very and, nice. uh, nasty. <sighs> it, it is nasty, and it's going to be very harmful to him, especially in his uh, fragile emotional state. Well, this, this sort of world we live in now, Marjorie, we need a strong anti-war movement, a strong pro-justice movement. I sort of feel activism is sort of dying out in New Zealand. There's so much um, concentration on COVID-19 cases, the whole news and uh, not having meetings and that sort of thing. But thank you so much for talking to us. And I do appreciate yes. what you've done, the work you've done. We must keep our sense of humanity. Uh, thank you for talking to yes, us again. <laughs> thank you so thank much. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Martin, I think we need to finish with a bit of music. Let's finish with The Strangest Dream. Which is about the abolition of war. Yes, anti-war. Last night I had the strangest dream I never dreamed before I dreamed the world had all agreed To put an end to war I dreamed I saw a mighty room The room was full of men and the paper they were signing said they'd never fight again. And when the paper was all signed and a million copies made, they all joined hands and bowed their heads and grateful prayers were prayed. And the people in the streets below Were dancing round and round And swords and guns and uniforms Were scattered on the ground Last night I had the strangest dream I never dreamed before I dreamed the world had all agreed to put an end to war. I dreamed I saw a mighty room, the room was full of men, and the paper they were signing said they'd never fight again. Last night I had the strangest dream I never dreamed before I dreamed the world had all 